Welcome to In the Envelope, a podcast from Backstage, the number one resource for actors and talent seekers. I am your host, Jack Smart, awards editor at Backstage, and I'm here to guide you through every aspect of the entertainment industry with the help of some of your favorite stars. These intimate, inspirational conversations with today's most award-worthy film, television, and theater artists provide you, dear listener, advice on how to live the creative life, personal stories of success and failure alike, and maybe, just maybe, a tantalizing glimpse in the envelope. work is that you decide to be your work, if you do that and do that well and start to branch out and find different ways and places for people to view that work, the right representation will find you. Welcome, listeners, to another episode, a very exciting episode, I may add, of In the Envelope, the Actors Podcast. Today, we have finally, I should say finally, because on our end, on the backstage team, this episode has been brewing for a long time. As longtime listeners know, we try to do these deep dive episodes, we call them deep dives, on particular aspects of the entertainment industry that are that especially pertain to actors, but of course can completely pertain to other creators, pop culture enthusiasts, people who are just curious about how Hollywood or Broadway or all of that works. And so today, as you can see from the episode description, we are focused on agents. And I have to admit right off the bat, this is a topic or a, a job, a talent agent is a job that I am not super intimately familiar with. And so I'm right here on this journey with you, listener, of discovering, you know, among other things, this, this episode is covering what is it an agent does in their day-to-day? Where do they fit into it, kind of the ecosystem of Hollywood? And then, of course, as always, we are all about the advice. And on Backstage.com, of course, we can see that all of our readers there are super interested in hearing directly from agents on how to get representation. Because the whole point of having an, having an agent is that they can get you more opportunities in the industry. They're an advocate for you. It is said in these in these interviews that it's a kind of a combination of friend, confidant, advocate, producer, manager, although acting managers are slightly different from agents. Anyway, this is a great primer on Agents 101. And the way we're doing this is we are first featuring an interview with someone from Creative Artists Agency, that are known as CAA, a very well-known agency in Hollywood. And then we are taking you to an interview with two of the founders of Aragency, which is a brand new talent agency and initiative that is focused on, as we love backstage, equity, diversity, and inclusion, particularly for BIPOC, queer, and trans creatives. And what's cool, I think, about these two interviews taken together is that they paint a picture of agents, what they did versus what they do, old school versus today, what an agent typically does versus how they've had to adapt, just like everybody else in the industry in the last year and a half. And there are through lines here of, first of all, describing what an agent does, and then hearing their advice for those of you who are listening, who are looking for representation, those of you who are talent. These people know exactly how to speak to that. So first up, we have Shauna Perlman from CAA, a wonderful interview. 
She represents the likes of friends of this podcast, Henry Winkler and Noah Schnapp, other stars such as Anthony Ramos, Rachel Brosnahan, Ariana DeBose, Kelly Marie Tran, also casting directors and music stars, just to give you a sense of who she is collaborating with, not just representing. It was really cool to hear about how her work involves representing and advocating for talent all the way from creating the opportunity or presenting them with the opportunity in the first place, all the way to completion of a project or several projects. So let's first hear from Shauna Perlman of CAA. This is a terrific interview for those of you actors who are towards the beginning of your career, who are listening to this podcast, taking notes. Let's take a quick break and then get to it. I'm excited. This podcast is, of course, brought to you, listeners, by Backstage. Listen, aside from all the great inspiration and tips and all of that stuff we offer for free, like this amazing podcast, Backstage also gives you access to incredible casting calls all over the world. That is why it's the world's number one casting platform. If you're curious or if you're an actor yourself and you really want to jumpstart your career and you're ready to take the advice and the inspiration you've heard here in this very episode and use it, go to backstage.com slash subscribe and enter the code ENVELOPE. E-N-V-E-L-O-P-E. That's, again, 30 days completely free to try backstage where you can make a profile, upload a headshot, upload a reel, start browsing the casting notices, and start applying to jobs because who knows, maybe one day I'll be interviewing you. Again, that's backstage.com slash subscribe and enter the code ENVELOPE. I would like to ask you some pretty basic questions about what an agent is. Okay. (laughs) Hope you're... Hope you're ready. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, ask. Uh, you could ask basic. You could ask deep. You can ask whatever. Right. I'm here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, it, and it, yeah, it really just depends. I think once we cover the basics, we can kind of dig in more. But yeah, um, of course. How are you doing? Are you so? Are you super busy these days? In this era yes, of the pandemic. Okay. Absolutely. Very, yeah. very busy. I would say. Yeah. Amazing. And um, just to start things off, I mean, first of all, like, what is your um, job title? Um, I'm a talent agent at Creative Artists Agency and working in television, film, and theater. Television, film, and theater. Okay. So at a big agency like CAA, there are also other entire other industries that people are also working on, correct? Yeah. I mean, we have pe- people that work in sports, um, in music, in brands, um, in you know, in public speakers. And I mean, cool. you name it, there's probably somebody that represents that type of talent. That is really cool. Um, and so take me through it. Like, what is the day to day? Like, what is it that you do every day? Yeah, I would say no day, um, no day as a talent agent is like the day before, you know, every day is, is quite unique, but, um, you know, our job and responsibility as a, as an agent is to represent and be an advocate for artists in the marketplace Um, And being an advocate can come in many different forms. Um, You know, on the basic level, it's it's helping to find opportunities for artists. Um, You know, and when you're speaking about actors specifically, it's looking at the marketplace and and focusing in on opportunities for our clients. And then it's also, um, you know, connecting different types of talent and bringing them together to create projects and create ideas. So that's as simple as taking like, maybe an actor I work with has an idea or something they're interested in and then pairing them with a producer, a director, a writer, and helping to kind of put together what would be a project, right, in in television or film. Um, 
That is cool. You know, that's another thing. And then, you know, and then on the sort of most micro level that then it's once we put those, those projects together or get those opportunities for clients, it's then negotiating the deals, right? Hmm. Making sure that they're getting paid fairly and that they're, you know, everything is sort of taken care of for them. And then once the job starts or that thing happens, it's overseeing whatever that project is and making, you know, again, making sure that the talent is comfortable, is getting all the things they need um, in the process of that job. And then Hmm. once the job is finished, it's, you know, it's coordinating everything from getting to watch the job, um, Mm. events around the job, press around the job, um, et cetera. So there are people that come in, obviously, that help with different parts of this journey, be it managers or publicists or lawyers that sort of assist in different parts. But I would say the agent is sort of one of the, is sort of like a, a through line throughout the process in terms of kind of from beginning to end being there, um, for, for the talent as they are trying to navigate, you know, what it is, the, those opportunities that they're interested in and going after. Amazing. Yeah, this is already blowing my mind because really it's um, it's so long overdue that we feature agents on the podcast because you mentioned creating opportunities for actors and then advocating for actors and making sure that they're okay. Those are two central talent tenets to what Backstage is trying to do. I also had no idea or I guess I had some idea, but I didn't know how much of your day-to-day involved almost a producerial role of connecting. Is it all um, different CAA clients or are you trying to connect you, your personal clients? One maybe is a writer, one maybe is an actor, and then they can create something. I, that's a really good question. And the answer is it's it's not just CAA clients, right? It's connecting talent to whoever those people might be. Okay. So I probably in working at CA, I'm going to be more personally aware just from my own goings and comings of a lot of the writers and directors that we work with here. Okay. Um, but to, but to be clear, like I, it's not, ne- they're not necessarily my clients specifically. I live more in the actor lane though, but mm. part of my, you know, part of my job and part of the thing I really love about CA is that throughout the course of my journey as an agent, I, I touch a lot of producers. I touch a lot of directors. I get to know them and, um, in helping to put, you know, in helping to put their projects together. Right. So Mm -hmm. if I, you know, what I would say was my favorite part of like the early pandemic, you know, when things were sort of shut down on the production side Mm -hmm. was like, my favorite thing was like, just sort of like almost setting people up on what I would say is like blind dates. Right. Just like taking an actor that I like that I liked and a director that I liked and just knowing that they were kind of creatively interested in similar things and just sort of setting them up to inter- to meet, maybe not even with a specific, like, you know, agenda item, but just yeah. sort of a, like, you guys would be great collaborators and then seeing where that would go. Um, you know, I think that's a really fun part of the job actually is just totally. making connections and introducing people because I'm the first one to acknowledge, like, I'm not the creative side, right? Like I'm not the person that's necessarily going to have the idea, but I'm a mm-hmm. big believer. If you put creative people in physical or virtual rooms together, like things can come out of that. And that actors have a lot of really smart, creative ideas, even if they are just typically in front of the camera, that doesn't mean that they haven't seen characters or lived lives or read articles. Mm -hmm. And they themselves usually have their own sort of like idea, you know, passions that they want to, you know, uh, you know, pursue. And so I think connecting them with, again, the producers and writer directors that can help you know, with that journey or, or get those projects made. I mean, that to me is like, that's when the real fun happens. Yeah. 
it sounds very, very almost social, very sort of like you were saying about the matchmaking, um, almost like human resources. It It is crucial that you get to know these people, that you have a personal as well as professional relationship with your clients, but like you're saying, really everyone and anyone in the industry, right? Well, yeah, I think so because it's like, it's always those little tidbits that you find out about people that I think make them really interesting, right? It's like the story about, you know, that I know that guy loves to play tennis, right? Or I know that that person was from Alabama, or I know that they grew up with, you know, with only one parent and that really affected their development. Like the things that you learn on a deeper level about people tend to really, I think, speak volumes to who they are and and the type of stories they're going to want to tell. And so those little tidbits that I sort of just like to accumulate over time are things that help me drive those connections. Amazing. So it's a little bit of um, not therapist, but maybe confidant, maybe friend. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it's I think it's confidant. I think it's but I think it's, you know, it's also, um, you know, maintaining a professional line too, right? Like, yeah. you know, you, it's, it's absolutely um, wanting to be a, a confidant and know deeply about your clients. And I like to really feel that I am in very much entrenched in their lives, but you know, everybody's mm-hmm. going to feel different about what their comfort levels are and just being very, you know, clearly like a, a, a sounding board and someone to listen to yeah. uh, or, a, you know, to listen for. Um, uh, because I think, again, everybody's, you know, barriers, uh, are going to be different, but I do find that um, for the most part, people during this time more so than ever mm. are wanting to sort of share and and be really open about um, oh, yeah. about what's going on for them. Um, but I and I think that that's made for really interesting creative conversations. Yeah, so cool. And of course, I definitely want to ask how the industry has changed overall, especially you know the last year and a half. Um, but I I wanted to uh, before we get to that, I had to ask. What is typically the agent's relationship with the casting director? Because you mentioned um, you're in touch with yeah uh, directors, way, producers, yeah. but casting directors is part of that, right? Yeah, casting directors are absolutely a part of it and a huge part of it. Yeah. I mean, we would we would be no- nowhere without them. Mm. Um, for me personally, I actually represent a couple casting directors. Cool. Um, which is uh, you know more or less helping to, to actually advocate for them in the marketplace and, and mm. do their deals. I think for a really long time, casting directors have gotten, you know, the, the, the small stick, whatever the expression is, you know, they, oh, yeah. they haven't, you know, they haven't really always um, gotten the advocacy I believe that they deserve. Um, and that's, you know, financially and in mm. treatment. Um, and so it's been really important and I'm really proud that I actually have started working with um you know, casting directors, I've actually been doing it for quite some time to make sure that they are also receiving the representation that they deserve. But um, yes, a huge part of um, this job as well is connecting my talent with casting directors, making sure that the casting directors are aware of whatever projects that, my, you know, you know, clients have coming out, um, aware of, you know, just where they're at, um, you know, in terms of what they're looking to do. Um, and so, yes, I spent a big chunk of my day talking to casting directors. I would consider many of them my my closest friends mm. um, and confidants um, and, a, and a big part of the, you know, the heartbeat of, of what we do. Yeah, because they are similarly, they have to be connected to many different areas of the industry, many different people. I feel like you also share the thing of you must have a really good memory, like long-term memory to remember lots of people. And maybe in your case too, like, do you just watch a lot of film and TV and theater? 
you know, it's, I actually always say that's the hardest part of this job yeah. is keeping up with everything yeah. because on top of the, you know, the watching, like a lot of the job, my job is reading scripts, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have, I always say like Sundays are like a big kind of work day for me in that sense that I kind of take Sunday as like my, like, you know, I'll, I'll read and I'll catch up on whatever I have to watch and, um, and really try to make that like be a work day, but sort of more of a, I guess, a funner work day if I, if I can. Um, but I'll read like, yeah, I, I mean, I'll read for many, many, many hours on a Sunday just to kind of get through things. Um, and, uh, and I would say in terms of the watching, I mean, you're never fully caught up, right? There's just, there's an, there's just so much to watch. There's like an unlimited amount. I really try to focus first on watching, you know, the work of, you know, the work of my clients, Mm -hmm. the work of um, talent that I've been tracking um, and also filmmakers and directors and producers that I'm, that I'm passionate about and watching their work. Um, So, you know, you you try your best to, 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 to see as much as you can, but you, it's, it's never enough. And I think that's the one thing that we universally all feel right now is just how overwhelmed we are with, yeah. with amazing content, right. And amazing things to see. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that should be, I guess that's a good, that's a good problem to have. Yeah, um, totally. But it's, it's definitely, um, the hardest part. That's really, that's kind of cool to hear. I feel like the, the answer to this must vary so much from agent to agent individually, but, what is like the ratio of signing someone for their very first agent versus, you know, getting somebody who already has another agent and is switching. Also, is there a quota? Like, are you, it's almost like a work um, workload thing. Do you have there, a certain no. number of clients that is the sweet spot? It just varies. There's no, there's no quota um, ever. There's no like right or wrong. Yeah. I would say in terms of as a talent, there's no right or wrong in terms of like, am I, you know, is this my forever agent or is this, you know, am I going to make a change? I would say it's like anything in life, especially, and I think I always like to liken it sometimes to actually like emotional, like friendships or romantic relationships, which is quite often you, you engage in a relationship and you think this is the, this is the one. And, and maybe that is the one, and maybe that's the person you marry. And maybe that's amazing. Other times you engage in that relationship and it works for a really long time but then maybe you change or the person changes or life changes and that relationship no longer, you know, works for whatever reason. Right. right. So I think you can never sort of predict, um, the, the length of what that's going to look like. Right. We, we all go into any relationship, friendship, romantic relationship with the hopes of it being longstanding. Right. Totally. And with the, and, and with the belief of like, Oh, I love this friend. We're going to be, but you never know what's going to change or what, you know, in life. And so I think it, we, you know, you take each relationship as it comes, mm-hmm. um, and try to just, to the best of your abilities, stay connected, be honest, transparent, um, you know, and, and in doing that, you hope to continue to grow that relationship. But I always like, it's sort of funny to liken it to likening it to a romantic relationship, but yeah. there's so many similarities, um, in, in the ways in which you think about dating and, and, and sort of growing that relationship. Yeah, it is a real, it is a partnership. Partnership. I love that. Yeah, partnership. Yeah, it sounds like a really kind of a cool job. I mean, um, can I ask like, maybe just like a quick, how did you get on this career path? Is there a typical um, career path that an agent goes down? I know that before CAA, you were at UTA. 
Yes, I was. Um, there may be listeners who are interested in becoming agents, you know? Right. I would say that, it's so funny, I'd say most people I would suspect, and I don't know about my colleagues, don't necessarily like wake up one morning and go like, I want to be an agent. <laughs> um, I think what tends to happen or what happened for me, I would say, is upon graduating from college, um, I was advised to go work at a talent agency because talent agencies are what they sort of deem as like graduate school and entertainment. Um, oh, because cool. when you go to a talent agency, you learn a ton, you're exposed to a lot. It's a lot of other people who have also just graduated or have just made a change or are looking to get into entertainment. So it's a great grounds of meeting people. And so when you're first starting off, it's sort of like, it's actually like the most perfect place to work. Mm. And um, I'd say a majority of people that probably start off as assistants at agencies because it's graduate school, they don't go on to stay at an agency. That's not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing because mm. you kind of go there and you're like, oh, you know what? I learned a lot in this experience and now I want to go be a manager or I want to go be a publicist or an entertainment attorney or I want to work mm. in marketing. I want to be an executive, right? So you you can, being there, you can it can kind of help you facilitate an understanding of like where your place is in the business, which cool. is why I actually think agencies are super important regardless if you want to be an agent or not. Um, because they provide access to so many different aspects and, and components of the business. Um, mm. For me personally, I wasn't actually quite sure when I was at an agency if it was what I wanted to do necessarily, um, but I, I sort of started there and, and started learning a ton. And actually, it, it took me sort of almost actually leaving to realize it was something I wanted to do. Um, at the time, like many people, I was sort of like, what's the difference between an agency and a management company? Cause there's sure. so many sort of similarities. And so, um, I worked at, after graduating from Northwestern, I worked at UTA in Los Angeles for one year. Mm. And then I went and worked at a management company called untitled management. Okay. And I worked there for a year. And that was in a, my, my way of getting to understand and contrast the two sides of those of the business. And ultimately it took kind of leading being for me to be like, oh, I really like management for these reasons, but I miss being at an agency for these other reasons, right? Mm. And that and that actually drove me to return to UTA. Um, but at mm. that point, when I went back to UTA, it was at it, um, it was in the New York office. Okay. Oh, I see. Yeah. This is super. This is super good to know. This is like super helpful for anyone who's maybe interested. Like you say, it's not necessarily a one track thing. Like it's it's working in an industry that is has so many interconnected parts and an agency is a good way of seeing a lot of those interconnected parts exactly and getting then closer to yeah what you might want to do and it is of course a very challenging industry and it's a very fickle industry so I, <laughs> I i also we always recommend like yeah if whether it's an assistant job or an internship any way that someone can introduce themselves to how that works is like is the way to go a hundred percent could not agree with that more yeah. Um, I have to ask you about meetings, this whole idea of an agent meeting and signing. What is it actors need to know about maybe it's their first meeting with an agent? What do they need to have prepared? Are there do's and don'ts? It's a great question. Um, I would say, you know, the most important thing is to be yourself always, right? Mm -hmm. You always want to be yourself um, because 
the person that you're working with is going to be representing you and fully you. So you mm-hmm. want them to know who that is, right? You never want to like put on a character or feel like you're, you're just not authentic, you know, because people can also see through that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's always good to come with questions and, and to really be prepared to ask the things that might be uncomfortable, um, okay. you know, because just as much as you're, this person is sort of, you know, vetting you, you're vetting them, right? Like mm-hmm. there has to be a mutual connection. And so you, um, you want to come in there feeling like you're, you're also in the process of doing your own research to make sure that you're finding the right partner. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always say, you know, it's important to come looking the part or looking professional, right? Okay. Like, you know, you, I'm not someone that like likes to dress up or blow dry my hair. Like that's not my, my natural being, I would say, but like when you have to do those things, you, you know, you dress up for those things. And I think, you know, you want to feel like you're, you're looking your best, right? Like you're well-rested, like you're, cause again, like when you choose to be an actor, your, your body is a part of your craft, right? Yeah. Like I didn't choose to be an actor. So quite frankly, it, my body, my looks, that isn't part of my craft. When you choose to be an actor, that is a part of it. Right. And mm. so you want that you're, you want that physical representation, right? If you come in and you look tired or like, that's not like, that's not going to be the best first impression. So I always say like, you want to look your best, whatever that, whatever that means to you. Um, and you want to feel like, um, you, you want to make them feel like you've done your research. You, you're, you're interested and interesting, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and also that you have a vision for what you want as well. Right. Um, it's good to have a point of view on the things that are interesting to you. Like who are the filmmakers and directors you're interested in and that Ooh. you're watching, what's the last TV series you watched that you loved. Right. Like that, you know, that always helps getting to know someone's taste gotcha. and where they see their career going. And I think that's always really impactful to know in a meeting as well. Those are really, really great tips. Um, is it also, of course, I suppose it's a given that any any actor at any point, but it's maybe especially early in their career, should have the the basics of the headshot, resume, website, all that stuff needs to be, is it crucial from your end that that stuff is kind of up to date? Yeah, I would say headshot, resume, and I don't, like, I don't know if it needs to be a website, but like a link of some sort that has your, that has your body of work on it. What maybe I would say real. is, yeah, you're real. I would say if you feel like, you know what, you haven't gotten that job yet that's allowed you to show yourself, then I always say like film yourself doing a two minute monologue and put it on there. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, or like get some friends together on a weekend and and shoot a short film that just is gonna allow you to get some great tape on there that shows your stuff. Because I think what's disappointing is when you watch someone's link and it's maybe it's all the appearances they've had on TV, but understandably, if they're just starting off, they've only gotten to say like one or two lines in each thing. Right. So you want, like, it's okay to just make your own thing. That's going to show you doing a different character, show you, you doing something else. I think that's one of the real privileges of living in these times, right. Is that we have Mm. computers and iPhones and we can create stuff. Mm. Um, And so this is, you know, don't, don't feel restricted to like, it's like if it's an official thing or not, right. Like people Mm. just want to see tape of you. Mm -hmm. That's great. I do feel like um, 
it is like dating, <laughs> these meetings that you're describing, but there's also this sort of like vision boarding thing of like actors, early career actors get to have, I mean, they have to come up with what they want and narrow it down and have their almost value system in place and clear. And also it is a little bit about branding, right? You, yeah. you do want to brand yourself as an actor of like, I want to play cops in TV procedurals. And so <laughs> here's my reel that features that. Or I want to win an Oscar as a leading, you know, it's like that, you get specific in that vision, right? I and like you're saying, you make be, it up. I think that you can be, if there are things that you're excited about doing, then you can do that. I think you, I don't think you want to ever get too specific because I do okay. think that, because what I do think can be like, sometimes like, uh, cha- like if challenging, like I'll give an example, it's like if you meet with an actor and the actor's like, my dream, like I want to do a limited series, right? Or like, I want to be in like an Oscar level movie, right? And they're just starting off. You're like, well, you might need to do, you know, depending on where you are at in your career, you might need to do a couple jobs first that aren't your dream jobs to get there. And so you want to, you want to be under the impression that that person is also going to be open-minded and, and what we, what we like to call like a gamer, if you will. Uh Um, because, like if someone's just going to be like, I'm only looking to do this, it's this or that, like this or nothing, mm. that can that can sort of be a drawback because what if those things are hard to find? Then like are you then you you're setting up barriers before you even know what the opportunities are. And quite often, some of the best job, some of my clients, some of the best jobs my clients have had have are have been jobs that at first they might have been hesitant for or weren't exactly what they had thought they were looking to do, mm. and then they kind of got deeper in the process and maybe read more material and spoke to the director and was, and then maybe we're like, you know what, I'm willing to try this. And then they came out of the process being like, wow, I'm so glad I pushed myself out of my comfort zone. Right. So you want to also be, you know, give the impression that you're somebody that's open-minded to mm-hmm. trying different things while also having goals and being excited by specific, you know, types of parts and types of, uh, you know, types of business. Great. That's so great. And I, I feel like it's been said on this podcast too, like, doing research as an actor can also just involve looking at whether it's your favorite actors and their career paths, who has represented them. And then, yeah, like what was the steady progression of their roles that got them all the way to that Oscar project or whatever. And then comparing and contrasting, like where do you fit in with that? And do you want to mimic that? No one can completely mimic anybody's path, but part of doing the research, yeah, is like seeing the ecosystem of Hollywood and being like, I want to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And like you're saying, not too vague, but not too specific should be like yeah. the goal. Yeah. And I, by the way, I think being able to point to career paths that you, that mm. you look, you know, look to is always like a great like thing when someone's like, well, what are you interested in? If you're like, I love what X person did. I like that they did this and then this and then this, like if you can point to somebody and, and give examples, I always think that's really, really helpful. And I think it's always good when it's like, you know, it's great that when it's somebody that is, um, you know, possibly someone that's known, but it doesn't also like, it's a little bit like, you know, when you meet someone, they're like, I want Ryan Reynolds career. You're like, who doesn't, you know what I mean? (laughs) But like, but like, I think it's like, I always really respect the choices and and the people that actors point to as they're, as who they're looking to, to mimic, because I think it says a lot about them. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when they really do that research, like you said, and it's maybe as people that are not as like obvious. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. And so how much has everything we just said changed in, I mean, since your work as an agent, I guess, over the years, 
but especially, you know, this last year and a half. Are the meetings the same? They just take place over Zoom? Or is it business as usual? Like you mentioned, at the start of the pandemic, there was this kind of pre-production boom where everyone's like creating ideas and yes. not filming. Right. Well, yeah, I would say... no theater. <laughs> <laughs> what I would say is that for me, you know, like, yes, everything sort of switched virtually as it relates to like the business of, of our job. And a lot of our job is meetings and meeting with different departments and collaborating. And so those things switched to Zoom, which obviously took a while to get used to. But I think now we're all a little bit more um, comfortable with, um, you know, and a lot of things that used to be like meals, um, you know, getting together, those type of things have has sort of more switched virtually, right? We're doing less of the, like those in-person um, hangouts. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the events also sort of switched to virtual, though I will say events have started back up yeah. um, despite sort of the numbers and everything, you know, uh, they have started to sort of do these, you know, COVID smart events. Like yeah. I went last week, I went to like the Suicide Squad premiere, which was, mm. you know, a full thing, you know, like it was not no, you know, but they, they really monitored it in a, Hmm. in the best way that they could. So I've definitely started going back to, um, events, not quite as much as I used to. Um, I did go to my first Broadway show back, um, on Sunday. I see. Um, Okay, great. Yeah. So, so the, you know, and I, and I went, I've seen a, a, a little bit of theater while I've been in New York. So that is slowly, starting to come back, which is really exciting. I mean, I think that was, yeah, that was sort of like the last, you know, the last, I think, thing to sort of open up. So like, as it relates to my life, that's sort of been the changes. I'd say for actors, I think the biggest difference is obviously more emphasis on self-taping and Mm -hmm. Zoom auditions, Mm -hmm. which has been its own new (laughs) muscle for for actors to sort of learn. I think self-taping has been taking place for a while. So that's not fully new, but I think, um, that being the only you know, way of doing it has definitely been new. Um, I think for some people it's been really frustrating. I think for others, it's been really exciting because it gives you a little bit more creative freedom, you know, versus sitting in a waiting room, waiting for your turn, going in, doing it and walking out and going like, I could have done it better. Or like, you know, whereas now, I actually think actors are more empowered in this process mm. because now they can like make a tape and work on it and not be rushed and like, like look it over and feel like they can make a choice and all of the things that matter, you know? So I, I think that a lot of people have looked at it negatively and I actually think it it actually has some real upside um, in, in that part of this process. Um, but of course we all miss the in-person seeing people, you know, it's always going to be a little bit more challenging to, to connect on a deeper level with people, you know, in my, in my opinion, when you're not in the room. Um, but I, I do feel like slowly, but surely things are starting to kind of come back in a healthy way. Um, which has kind of been a nice little fire to have, you know, igniting a little fire that we have. Totally. Yeah. And it's it's also, it really is a great moment to be speaking with you because like you're saying, I mean, you're literally in New York seeing Broadway shows. Like this is, there was like a moment at the beginning of the pandemic where we were all, yeah, looking at the, we were looking at it pretty pessimistically. And it seems like right. now, if it's not completely back to normal, as you say, there have been silver linings for sure. And we are all about inspiring and finding that silver lining here at Backstage. So thank you <laughs> for that. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I, I feel personally getting to sit in the theater was like really 
super rewarding and getting to sit back in a movie theater too mm. and just you know getting to do those things in a safe way has been yeah you know really helpful for me and and i think everybody has to know their own comfort level um for mm -hmm. with with these with type these type of things but um you know i've been really impressed with um our business's ability to really get entrepreneurial and figure out different ways to get us back to totally. um to, to you know back in there yeah totally totally um i've kept you long thank you so much shauna this is so great we ask everyone, especially the actors, but we ask everyone for a, a favorite performance or rather a performance that you think every actor should see and study and why. Um, oh my God, that's a hard question. I bet. And also, if you don't want to like play favorites, we could tweak the question. But maybe there's something you've seen recently. Oh my God. What's Well, can I talk about just something that I'm watching recently that I think the all like the performances are great and I'm just loving totally. that maybe less people know about. There's mm. an amazing series right now called Veneno on HBO yeah. Max. Okay. Have you seen it? No, it's I haven't. It's on my list. Yeah. It's amazing. And cool. I think the performances on that are amazing. And I think it's really important, I believe, for actors to watch content in different languages. I think you can learn a lot about what you can get out of a performance without understanding the words. Mm. Granted, you're going to watch it with subtitles. But if you want to really talk about like a good sort of exercise, it's like cover up the words, right? Or turn the subtitles off and watch the performance and see mm. if you can really feel the emotions and understand what's coming out of a scene without hearing words. I think that is such a good skill yeah. to kind of think about in a performance that like so much of what we do is universal, that it's not just tied to like, to, to sort of English or American ideals or whatever. Mm. And so I think Veneno has been a beautiful reminder of that for me. So cool. That's such a, that's such a perfect, perfect, perfect answer. I have one more thing that I would love to share, which is sure. a question I get, a question I get all the time mm. that I think is so helpful, which is the number one question I get from young people coming out of school or whatever is, how do I get an agent? Right. Yes. Yes. Right. It's, and what I always say is you don't need to find an agent an agent finds you. Okay. And why I say that is when people send like those email submissions or send something to you on Instagram or mail something to you, whatever, like at agencies, we don't look at those things. You know, I don't mm. know about other places, but at agencies, we don't look at those things. We're not actually like legally, we're not even supposed to look at those things oh. because they're unsubmitted, they're unsolicited requests. So you don't know if they're real, right? So you can't just like look at something and take it for face value just because someone dropped it off in your mailbox, right? Mm. So a lot of people spend all this time getting their material out or reaching out to agents to never get returns. And what I always say is if you focus on the work, right? And doing great work and whatever that is, mm. if that is doing a play, if that is making short film with your friends, if that's making, you know, videos on TikTok, right? Whatever that work is that you decide to be your work, if you do that and do that well and start to branch out and find different ways and places for people to view that work, the right representation will find you. Yeah. And like, and so I always say, don't focus on trying to go find those people. Yeah. Putting out the work is everything mm -hmm. and keeps staying focused on that. And you will find the, the team that is meant to be helping you on your journey. Wonderful. That's so spot on it. You just echoed so much of the advice we've heard on this podcast, but in a different way of like, um, I feel like it's been said 
focus on the craft and the rest will come. And you're saying, yeah, craft more than business, for sure. Like focus on the great work and the business will then come from that. Yeah. And that I'm not saying, right. Like there's still the business of like, like, cause to me, like the, when you make a short film that that's, that to me is, is a business you're growing your business because Uh you ask a friend that's a director of a friend, that's a writer, someone that's a DP, whatever. It's like all of those people that you're working on and collaborating with, they all are going to go on their paths too. And, Mm -hmm. And they have the potential to be, you know, have a career in whatever those things are. And so you're building relationships organically when you're creating content just through, through that mechanism in itself. So, So, you know, like I'd rather be focused on that than in, you know, tearing through like, you know, pages of whatever, looking for like names of managers and cold calling, right? Like you Mm. just don't know who you're going to find and what they're going to be looking for. But a manager that's like, I'm really looking for X, Y, and Z, they're going to go out and find that thing. Right. And they're going to, and they know where to find it. That's their job. So I think that we're living in this amazing time where it's so easy for anybody to take a phone again, go on the computer, make a great piece of material Mm -hmm. and, and put that out into the world, submit it to a film festival, put it on YouTube, you know, whatever it is. And once you start to put stuff out there and that stuff is working and it's good and it, and it's telling a story, whatever it is, people find it. And when people start to find things, those things grow and that's how you get eyeballs on them. And so like, to me, that is more important than, you know, the, the side of like the stressing yourself out, out in something you can't control, right. Yeah. Which is someone calling you back. Yeah, totally. That's so, that's so great. Cause it's so empowering. It's cause networking and the business side of it is so important, but you're, what you're saying is by creating the content and just putting it out there, that is accomplishing that. Whereas if you're first and yeah. foremost, like I got a network that's stressful. It's not as in your control, focus on making great work and, and, yeah, great work with great people, and 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 you'll network and you'll network through that process, right? Yeah. Like it just won't organically happen if you decide to take a class at UCB, mm-hmm. right? And you're taking those acting classes, and you and you're going to have a performance, like right, once a, every couple of months, and people come to see that. That's putting out great work, but then and 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 that's fine, and and maybe someone finds you there. But also in that class, you're going to meet a bunch of other actors that you're going to collaborate with, and those are also the, and that's the best kind of networking is other these potential collaborators. Mm. So like finding opportunities where you can like learn and grow and do something that is creative and exciting for you, like and make and make those relationships. That's the best. And like, and, and, and by the way, and keeping in touch is all the most important, like is, is so important because I can't tell you how many actors I work with who are like, Oh yeah. Like, I think I worked with that person a long time ago. And it's like, well, three or four years down the line, it's a little, it might be, feel a little awkward to call that person you haven't been in touch with, but you heard they're working on this big movie. Right. So like when you make those relationships, make them count, stay in touch, you know, don't just, you know, don't just follow up with the person that you know is the most successful, the person that you you know, might be the, on the ground floor can be, we always joke whenever there's like someone that's like really smart and young in a meeting, we're always like, oh, they'll be running, you know, they'll be running the company soon. It's just, you you never know. So you always want to be kind and generous to everybody. That's great too. It avoids the awkward thing of only reaching out to successful people when they find success. Exactly. Which I feel like a lot of people in our business do. Completely. It is, it really is a business where the lines between professional and personal blur and you're saying, yeah, make it as as personal as possible. Like you were saying earlier about the job of an agent, you're also kind of a friend and a partner. Yeah, as of it course. should be. Absolutely. Wonderful. 
Gosh, this was pure gold for actor listeners to hear. Thank you so much, Shauna. Of course. Thank you so much, Shauna, for joining us and for your insights. Listeners, we take you now to a joint interview with Jason Rodriguez and Ricardo Sebastian of Arragency. That's A-R-R-A-Y, Gency, as in an array of talent. This is a, um, a new initiative that is focused on primarily including queer, trans, BIPOC creators, actors, talent of all backgrounds. This provides a really interesting kind of counterpoint to everything you just heard from the CAA, more maybe established agency side of things. I think taken together, this really paints a picture of what agents do and what actors need to know. Particularly, stick around for the end of this interview because Jason, as an actor-dancer himself, and Ricardo, as someone who can very much speak to where this industry is going, their advice for early career performers, including on how to submit yourself to a regency, is spot on. Of course, on this podcast, I've asked the questions about advice so many times, and this really they really hit the nail on the head in a kind of a new and fresh way. Anyway, Jason is an actor and dancer who is best known, it should be noted, for playing Lamar Winter on FX's hit Pose, which just concluded its third season. He's also known as Slim Extravaganza, which for those of you who know, that's the New York City ballroom scene's legendary House of Extravaganza. That's sort of how he launched his career as a voguer dancer. And Ricardo Sebastian is an entrepreneur, a manager, an all-around advocate. And uh, they joined us to talk about the launch of a regency and I think are perfectly primed to speak directly to early career actors and again, talent of all types. So let's go now to this lovely interview with Jason and Ricardo. Thank you both for joining us. Congratulations on launching a regency. This is so exciting and brand new. Thank you. I just want to intro... Um, me and this and what we're doing here because I am sure have you guys done like press about a regency yet <laughs> or is it that new um well Jason and I have a lot of experience working with press and doing press um the we have a, an amazing PR team triple r that's also based in Manhattan okay and um and so we started working with triple r to focus on Jason in 2019 as a professional actor and a dancer. And then when we decided uh, to launch a regency, we engaged Triple R to, to expand and they've been really great. So we've done a few interviews so far, but this is our first podcast. Okay, cool. That's great. Well, we are um, Backstage's podcast, and I don't know how familiar you are both with Backstage. Jason, as an actor, did you ever use Backstage? I mean, I used it as a dancer, like back when I was just freelancing, it was between Backstage, it was between Dance NYC, it was all of it. So I am familiar with Backstage. That's wonderful. (laughs) That's so wonderful. And so the other thing is that this podcast mostly features actors, you know, sometimes writer-directors, but we have yet to do an episode focusing on agents. And so I would love to ask you both like super basic. First, we're going to start with the basic, most basic question, which is like, what is an acting agent? Jason, do you want to talk about like what agents do? You have the most experience working with agents. And then I can share a little bit about what we're doing differently at our agency. Yeah. So, you know, with my experience working with agencies, it's pretty... It's definitely a different, um, 
I feel like it's a different energy. I think specifically working with like talent and manager where I feel like, well, for me, having Ricardo as my manager since 2019, we communicated every single day, every single day to figure out what needs to be done X, Y, and Z. As an agent, it's pretty much just tapping a network, you know, you know, submitting your talent for different works to see what they fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like that is kind of a very like static structure of like your agent and talent is pretty much you sign the talent, you got them for like a year or two or three, depending on the contract. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you're just pretty much submitting them for any and every work that you're looking for in like breakdown. So like an actor's access, casting networks, X, Y, and Z. And then, you know, there's like a quarterly check-in. So if nothing has really been Mm. um, caught yet, you know, there's a quarterly check-in with your talent to let them know what you've submitted them for X, Mm -hmm. Y, and Z. It's very interesting. I actually have had the experience of never had a quarterly update. So that's why, you know, there's so many different reasons why Mm. Ricardo and I, we, we want to do this kind of work. We're also trying to figure out where in these set structures do does our work fit in because it was pretty much we were still in the thought process of like okay let's I want to open this agency you know how do you start it x y and z let's take it bit by bit then when during the summer I just kept finding new contact of people in my community, you know, um, BIPOC, queer and trans individuals who have had an experience, you know, working for a streaming service or working on set, you know, as a model or working as a dancer and having these, I mean, there's no, you know, easy, like small way to say it, but like just these like terrible experiences, just being utilized, just being offered something, but not knowing as a talent how to expand it or how to ask for your worth or set your standard. And most of the time within our community, we don't know how to set our standard. We don't know our worth because we're too busy fighting for survival, fighting too busy to have to let other people know that about our worth, even though it's not even our job to do so. That should be the humane job to be as humane and respectful of any and everybody, but being part of this community every day, most of the time, depending on your identity, it's survival. So you take what you get. Um, So for us, we want to do things differently where we're, you know, we're preparing our talent for when they walk into work, but also preparing the work for our talent, which is most important. So that kind of expanded off of the small question of what an agent does. But I guess it's to give an overview of how we kind of want to do things differently. Yeah. And that's that's what's so helpful. As the set structures, as you say, of traditional agencies, you guys are going about this, looking at that, what isn't working, mm-hmm. and making the changes, right? Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting trying to create something new in a world where the focus is what box do you belong in? And... And so these opportunities to talk about a regency are also opportunities to spotlight what the community is doing for themselves um, and how we're coming together to make a difference for each other and for the world around us. Um, And so I really appreciate, Jason, you elaborating on what the reality and the lived experience is for BIPOC, queer, and trans people on the day-to-day. 
when you're in survival mode, you don't have the mental emotional capacity to think about goals or to think about the future or to think about things in a more critical way because you are focused on survival and everyone's in a, in a spectrum on that, right? Like Jason and I are very fortunate to have entered into this chapter of our lives where we have stability, we have a sense of self, we're, we're able to now share with the world. And so when it comes to the talent that we're working together, the big question has been, well, are you this service or are you that service? Are you doing this or are you doing that? And the reality is that for our talent, they're all at a different starting point. And so for some of them, it's more so building up the confidence Mm. and getting them to connect with what they could do in this world with whatever it is that they're creating. And then other talent that we're assigning, they have an amazing infrastructure. They already have an established brand. They're ready to scale and they need that additional support to get to the next level. So we are at the very beginning of a regency and Jason and I have set many goals for what this company will continue to grow into. Right now, our focus is building a community and also connecting with our industry peers because we know that um, the industry wants to participate. The industry wants to unlearn and re-engage in a more productive and fair way. Yes. And so there's a, there's a lot to be done. And just like Jason said, we're, we're taking it one step at a time. Yeah. We should do this again in a year or two to see to see the progress. Because as you say, like it's the result of the pandemic. I think it's the result of a renewed focus on civil rights in the last couple of years that we are all taking stock. And I think Hollywood is, as you say beautifully, Ricardo, like wanting to rebuild better. Mm. I'd like to think that it's not just uh, talking the talk. There's also walking the walk. But you guys are walking the walk. Thankfully, we've been meeting with people who directly already kind of want to work with us. So we're still in process of, um, you know, finalizing everything for us to like get into breakdowns, to submit our actors, because we aren't only working with actors. Um, We're trying to be as broad as possible. Again, it's for people in our community that need help to to arrive at work and be it be the talent and the work. And again, most Mm -hmm. of the time it's multiple battles for a person, a queer person of color, trans person of color to get to just them and the work. So if you have Mm -hmm. a team behind you to say, we are hashing out X, Y, and Z so you can do what you do, that is our main focus. So we are working with actors, we're working with activists, we're working with models and dancers as well. So we're taking on different opportunities of talent and helping them out. Yeah, and just to be clear, um, when it comes to like who we are, working with as talent, our mission is bringing BIPOC, queer, and trans people to the forefront of all creative spaces, Mm. all creative industries. So we are always going to keep that door open. Jason and I just finalized what our open call will be structured as, and we're going to have that as an ongoing thing. Uh Um, So everyone can submit on our website, Mm. oragency.com, under the submit tab. So Our plan right now is that at the end of every month, we'll review new submissions and then there will be follow-up and outreach. Um, We're not in a rush to start signing everyone and anyone because again, the starting point is different for every person. 
And it requires a certain time commitment for me and Jason to really develop the talent and get everyone up and running. But we don't want that to become a barrier of how we're bringing opportunities into the community because there could be an inbound opportunity of someone looking for a specific skill or a specific expression of, of creativity that we don't have signed to our talent list, but there's someone who submitted to us. There's someone who reached out and they do have that talent. So we are putting processes in place to make sure that we're able to bring um, opportunities into the community. And that's something that Jason was really vocal about and that I agreed with. Absolutely. We, we are trying to change how we operate in this space. And something that I've been vocal about is, you know, how do we let people know that we're not able to sign them right now? It can't just be this like template rejection letter. Thank you so much for taking the time, but we're not signing you. And also what kind of resources can we extend so that even if they're not able to join the team right now in this moment, they can access information and resources to develop themselves Mm. as a creative professional. Excellent. Yeah, I was going to ask, I mean, I was first of all going to ask, is it just actors? And it sounds like, no, it's so cool that it's all of these different performing arts spaces. Um, How much of the work of an agent too is connecting people in these different spaces, like connecting, for example, a writer and a director or a director and an actor who you think would create something amazing together, who don't even know each other, who've never created anything together. Like, Is part of being an agent kind of being a producer? I think, you know, anyone could say that for sure, but I'm receiving that as, you know, we're building community. And something that Jason and I talk a lot about is the gatekeeping that exists in all spaces. Mm -hmm. Um, And part of gatekeeping is, you know, having this hypertense protection of your network Mm -hmm. um, because Maybe you want to facilitate something or if you introduce those two people and, and whatever they create together takes off and you're not included, there's, there's all these different variations. Yeah. But I think the point is there's space for all of us to be successful and to create a life that's meaningful and that makes sense. So that's why we're focusing on creating a community as well so that those opportunities can come up where we're introducing people um, and we're always going to do our part to, to be part of the project. Um, but one of our adopted philosophies is like, you know, not everything is forever. So even if we're part of something and it evolves beyond us, mm. we have to be okay with that because we did our part to get it to the next level. Mm. We contributed in that way. Um, other people's success doesn't take away from, from our mm. success. Yeah. It's a very ego driven industry, but it sounds like trying to get past the ego interfering with creating great work. Um, I'm interested too in, in, I mean, the open call thing. Is, is the open call and this idea of doing a monthly assessment of everyone who's submitted, is that typical of other agencies? No, right? This is all new. This is my perspective. Because for us, what we're trying to do is... Um we're keeping it open. Like at first we're like, oh, let's close it and then reopen it when we have time. Mm. And then, you know, we met with um, other colleagues in the industry and like got their feedback about it. And we're like, no, why are we like, no, that makes no sense. Like, let's keep it open. Let's continue um, um, a vein of communication, especially through like our social media of like, 
we're going through, you know, our first influx of Mm. people who've submitted, we're taking a break, we'll start back up. But knowing that that line of communication is always open, but communicating the reality that right now it's just two of us, we are hoping to expand, but we are keeping that open. So we are like, you know, monthly, I feel like every other night I'm just like looking, (laughs) I'm just like looking at people's work. Cause I'm like, I, it makes me, you know, it keeps, the number keeps increasing of how many people submit. And if it enforces me to be like, girl, get on your MacBook and just like give time to somebody else. So I'm like, every time that number changes, I'm like, okay, let me go look. So I'm very, I'm a stickler to just like give as much as I can. And even, you know, to the prior um, topic of the conversation, I feel like I, I'm just like a natural, unego connector. I feel like when I talk to a creative and they're working on something, I sometimes click. And again, if it has nothing to do with me, I'm like, wow, this individual really fits this work and introduce it. And can you meet with them and X, Y, and Z? So I'm already open to it's about the work. It's not about me. So if someone's yeah. doing a specific work and of my realm of people, I'm like, well, these people might fit that. I'm not even here thinking, well, what about me? How do I take part of this? It just mm-hmm. like, it for me, it just sounds like put it together. It's about some beautiful work trying to be created. And it feels like my job is just to bring it together in any way, shape or form. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. It really sounds like that right there is the quality of a good agent or should be the quality of a good agent. I mean, I would say just a good person in the professional <laughs> space. Yeah. Um, you know, we're we're not getting too caught up on the words of like, are we agents? Are we managers? Sure. Like right now we're focused on defining a agency and the impact we want to have on the industry and how we want to help our community grow. Um, and everything that Jason just shared, I, I so appreciate when, when you do share that because it reminds me of why I wanted to work with you from the beginning when we first sat down. And at the time I was actually trying to get Jason into a community event for pride month. And we ended up meeting for lunch and we got into the conversation about business and we were talking about, you know, what what does the future look like for Jason Rodriguez? And he said, you know, of the things I want to create, one of them is an agency and I want it to be for the community. Mm-hmm. And my company at the time, very similar in terms of like the focus of having a positive impact. Um, my experience is more in management and working with creative entrepreneurs to define their infrastructure, their logistics, their operations, and figuring out how to monetize whatever it is that they are creating. Um, And that's how the business relationship started with Jason to manage him as talent. But the whole like giving of ourselves and, and extending what we have is a reflection of, I think, our own sense of self and the confidence that we have because we have achieved success. We have access things um, in our own lives that have put us in this position to now be able to to give it out to the community as well. Yeah. It's all it's this all sounds so great. And just speaking on behalf of backstage, like we are so in the business of also uh, creating opportunity, of generating of of providing opportunity, of being as inclusive as possible. 
super interesting to hear about the nature of an agency is you guys want to be as inclusive as possible, but of course you can't sign everybody. <laughs> so I do have to ask about the advice. I mean, everyone, every, all of our listeners and all of Backstage's readers, a lot of them are early career artists. Um, do you have advice for maybe, for example, for the people who are participating in your open submissions? What is it that make that would make them stand out? Um, and going off of that, do you have advice in terms of the kinds of things that an, an actor should always have prepared? You know, website, headshots, resume reel, all of that. I have like one message that I want to share, and then I'm going to pass it to Jason to mm -hmm. talk about all of those things. Um, but in terms of advice, and this is not limited to the people who have submitted with a regency, if you are a creative person, please understand that talent is subjective. And just because someone says no, or you don't get that opportunity, that does not devalue what you are creating and putting mm. into the world. Mm. Everyone has their moment, everyone has their time, and it's important to just focus on perfecting whatever it is that you're creating and honoring yourself through the process. Because you're absolutely right, we're not gonna be able to sign everyone but that doesn't mean that th those people are not talented or they're not worthy. And that's what's resulted in the emphasis on building community. Mm -hmm. But we have to set parameters for ourselves as well based on our time, our availability, and the resources that we're bringing to the table as a regency, which will continue to grow over time, but we're at the starting point. In terms of who we're looking at and the kinds of talent we're engaging with and things that actors should have prepared. Jason, please. That is. Yeah. Um, I, I guess for me, the, the highlight is sh let show us your work and let the work speak. That's like first and foremost, especially when you're submitting anything. And then this is in every industry, like it's, you know, aside from us, they, they look through information, you know, like, what, maybe like three to five minutes, five to 10 minutes yeah. to like, it shouldn't take that long for us to, to see your work. So making sure that that's submitted. Specifically for actors, I think it is very important to have a website. I think it's very important to have your reels. I think it's very important to have your voiceover reels. Um, mm. You know, and I think same for any palette of work you do. If you're, you know, a musician, if you're a dancer, like have that website where someone can click and I, it, it's us and the work, you know, and then it just, there's no need for any kind of other filter rather than to discuss and see if we're a best fit. And if we're not a best fit, finding the reasoning why, mm -hmm. and then after the why, how can we still help you? And how do we That's still keep you in mind? Um, one thing attaching to what Ricardo said about, you know, um, talent being subject subjective, um, I just wrote, I don't know why, I was like on a tangent on Facebook, um, but I wrote, you know, it was specifically about me teaching in universities that, you know, I want to continue teaching people the failure of success, that success isn't the only way to be successful. Huh. So really, really deeming that, like not allow the infrastructures of teaching you, this is how you get happy. This is how you make money. Mm -hmm. This is, this is how I think you should live your life. So really taking on failures because I've learned so much from every piece and portion of my failure. I wouldn't be where I am now if I didn't fail as much to then succeed. So, you know, especially for artists, especially for actors, I think 
you know, set your, your standard, your goal, your work for people to see. And when someone says no to you and when no becomes like a multiple, make your own yes. Like if that means no one can see your work but yourself, take that in as well. That's real. That means maybe the work is just for you and it's for you to produce it and it's for you to propel it. And then the no's start turning into yeses. So not thinking, you know, especially actors coming from a conservatory that this is like mm. how you're going to get to what you want to do. Find other stems and structures yeah. because we don't all fit, you know, on the same branch of a tree. So, so yeah, I, I say, you know, make sure that your content is submitted and for actors just have, you know, all the types of reels and works available for, for people to see. And that'll just forever benefit you. Excellent. On this podcast, we just love, love hearing about how the quote unquote failures teach you more usually than the quote unquote successes. And yeah, talent is subjective. I think success, it's a great point that success is sort of subjective too. It just depends on your own goals. Absolutely. Not everyone needs to have, you know, all of these lavish things. I'm someone who I thought that's what I wanted. And as I started interacting with that space more, it felt like I was disconnecting from myself. And now I've created a life that I absolutely love. But, you know, someone may look at what I'm doing and it's not their vision of success. It's not a reflection of what they want. And that's okay because you're, you're right. This is also subjective. Yeah. And just, just to speak on top of that, you know, I came high school was the first time I was like in a creative outlet for the first time I was in a drama club, all boys high school. The Mm. only one in like the Shakespeare plays being like Hermia in a Midsummer's night dream, Lady Macbeth and Macbeth finding my identity. And then I go and try for the conservatory of acting at purchase, got denied, then tried, I transferred in as like a non-major, and then tried twice for the conservatory of dance, got denied two more times. So three times, you know, rejected from these conservatories. And then fast forward, here I am, you know, succeeding in dance, in acting, Mm-hmm. But thinking that that would be my way through acting and dance, and it's not. It's about the choices you make and still sticking into it. Mm. Um, so yeah, I always, I always like like ex, you know an example of that because I'm around a lot of youth that are in conservatories that are you know dance majors, acting majors, and they you know most of the time they're being taught like through a tunnel, and then sure. I think it's up to us, you know, the creatives with like who have kind of like digged our own kind of like tunnel as a mole to (laughs) share that, you know, in case if they, that, that isn't their, their path to let them know that others exist. That's so great. That's exactly what we love. This is why I wanted to talk to you, you both, because Jason, as a, as an actor, you know, you can speak to both sides of this equation here of making it in the arts. Thank you both so much. This is all pure, pure gold for so I think so many listeners, so many of those little moles who are digging their own tunnels. Um, I have to let you both go soon, but we always ask for not necessarily favorite actor or favorite performance, but is there a performance that you've seen that you think uh, artists should study? Film, TV, it could be theater, it could be anything. Are you guys consuming stuff all the time? Are you watching all the TV and all the movies? 
I am definitely consuming content to yeah. see like what is new, what is what are what direction is content moving in? Because there's there have obviously been a lot of game changers in content creation in recent Such years. Such as Pose. Absolutely, top of the list. <laughs> yeah. Jason, what do you think? Um, I mean, I'm already like um girl interrupted Angelina Jolie. Oh um, Ma Rainey. Viola Davis, Viola. the entire film. <laughs> um, oof, hold on. I'm like, I can go through so much. Um, I'm gonna stick to those two because those will come That's to so mind. Cool. Like watching Angelina, like especially, you know, when I was being young and trying to identify what femininity looks like, mm-hmm. you know, how does it fit in my body and my identity? And you know, watching these these women just play like either these action roles. For me, Girl Interrupted was very like, you know, deep and like her the way her character kept changing. Um, I guess I really tune into that. Like she really holds space when she acts. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate that. And then Viola Davis, I mean, she's just a monolith. Yeah, um, I was for- just about to bring up Viola because I'm re-watching How to Get Away with Murder. Yes. Like the bajillion time. One, because um, anytime I can access anyone's Netflix account, I try to, like, watch any POC content to, like, get those, like, engagement numbers up. <laughs> um, but also because I think the the acting is next level. Excellent. And the, um, I'm, in, I'm in season one and there's this line. I, I'm not even going to quote it. But it's just one of my absolute favorites to rewatch. And also from a from a Broadway standpoint, I, ha- I had the opportunity to watch the rendition of The Boys in the Band back in, um, I believe yeah. it was 2018 or 2019. Mm-hmm. And the storyline, I, I didn't even know what it was. I just had the opportunity to go. And that was something that I thought, wow, uh, the comeback was so strong. And then it was adapted to a Netflix film. So I think studying pieces that have that ability to evolve in the medium of how they're being presented is something mm-hmm. that's really interesting as well. Yeah, cool. That's such a great example too, because that that in, that is included on that list of, as you say, um, forward-thinking pieces of content or content that is indicating the the ways that the industry is changing, right? Yeah, absolutely. Those are um, really excellent choices. Thank you for organically bringing up Viola Davis, which is like required on this podcast. Okay, <laughs> it always should be like hello. Thank you both for for participating in that and for for like shining a light on what you're doing and what you hope to do. I, I hope that we can like check in periodically. Yes. I would love going. that. Maybe yeah. like in a year check-in to see where we're at. Absolutely. Just to yes. I would love that. In the Envelope is recorded at Lotus Productions and Hyperbolic Audio in New York City and Soundbox LA, Mark Rouse Studios, and Buzzies in Los Angeles. Thanks as always to our producer extraordinaire, Jamie Muffet, and to the team at Backstage, Samantha Sherlock, Mark Stinson, Caitlin Watkins, and of course, Casey Howe. Visit Backstage.com, and don't forget, you can subscribe to Backstage by using the code ENVELOPE at checkout for a free trial. That's right, 100% free. For more exclusive content, join us on Facebook and Twitter at In The Envelope, and subscribe, share, and leave a comment. Who would you like us to interview next? Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time for another glimpse in the envelope.